Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the program. At this hour, New York's real estate market is being influenced by three major trends, so what are these trends and what are the influences behind these major trends? We will break it down and talk about it also at this hour. There are many reasons a property owner in New York City decides to sell their apartment. So what are the factors that you can easily identify a highly motivated seller? But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I am Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, when Grey's Anatomy star Ellen Pompeo bought a 8.3-acre property out east for $925,000 in 2011, she wanted something with a young and fresh look. So she had the existing cottage torn down and built a new home that's a departure from your typical Hampton shingle-style house. But she says it put her uh, that put her to sleep. She hates that style. However, uh, now she's decided to depart with her Hamptons creation, and she's listed it for $3.79 million. This, according to the New York Post. Uh, they first reported the news that her decision to sell her gorgeous home, which is in Noyak, just a shade west of Sag Harbor on the east end of Long Island. Brown Harris Stevens has the listing. With the price of many East Hampton, Bridgehampton, and Sag Harbor homes commanding Wall Street financier money, Pompeo's creation is both aesthetically primo and a good value given the quality and beauty of the home as well as the acreage. John Mellencamp may come from a small town in Indiana, but he's got deep roots in New York City. Now he's also got a new loft, having just bought a live workspace at 66 Grand Street. This, according to The Real Deal, the Soho artist's retreat cost Mellencamp $2.3 million, down from its original asking price of $2.995 million. The multi-talented rocker has spent most of his life living and painting in small towns in his native Indiana and South Carolina, but he also has a rich history of studying painting in New York City, dating way back to his days at the Art Students League. His paintings were shown in 2015 at the ACA Galleries downtown. The city's Department of Transportation has unveiled plans to install protected crosstown bike lanes in Midtown. Here we go again. That would be the first protected bike paths to extend nearly the entire stretch between the East River and the Hudson River, reports the New York Times. Get rid of these bikes already enough. <laughs> Last year, there were 23 cyclists killed in traffic crashes across the city, prompting officials to make an even stronger push for safer, safer conditions for cyclists. The Department of Transportation added 25 miles of new protected bike lanes in 2017 and will continue to add more as part of a pledge to add 50 miles of new bike lanes annually. I say get rid of them. That's twice in one show. Anyway, true. Bruce Willis and his wife, actress, look who it is. Bruce Willis and his wife, actress Emma Hemings Willis, has listed their Central Park West fronting duplex for $17.75 million. The broker for the couple told the Wall Street Journal the Willises are just not spending enough time in their six-bedroom four-and-a-half bathroom Upper West Side apartment to justify keeping it. And Cut Bill Lenane from Douglas Elliman says it's time to scale back. The Willises purchased the apartment at 271 Central Park West for $16.995 million in 2015. Unlike the San Remo penthouse that Bruce used to share with his ex-wife, Demi Moore, uh, at 271 Central Park West, uh, the duplex apparently is decidedly stayed and not as nice as the uh, penthouse was. The Wall Street Journal reports that the roughly 6,000-square-foot apartment was originally configured as two apartments that were combined. The apartment comes with com- a combined 150 square feet of outdoor space. Well, isn't that something? Not spending enough time in your 6,000-square-foot home, so it's time to sell. 
I guess we should all have those problems. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Good Vince. Morning. So, how's everybody? How's your weekends? Busy. House is busy. Busy. Good. Very busy yeah, weekend. Very busy. Yeah, I know. I noticed this weekend it got uh, extremely um, crazy, both in new development and in resale. So, I'm hoping that's a sign of a robust spring market, and we're on our way. Uh, we're here today with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Sean McPeak from Compass. Niall Lundgren from Compass and Greg Moores also from Compass. Wow, Compass heavy day today, isn't that something? Anna Bro Show. <laughs> there you go. We have another Bro Show. <laughs> Not bad. Anna, Anna's stuck on jury duty today. That's too bad. Yeah, sorry for her. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a break for her. <laughs> yeah, right. it's actually a break for her. Yeah, really. Okay, listen. So let's get right to it. It is very easy to crater your credit, falling behind on student loan or credit card uh, repayments, uh, or having a health crisis. Just some examples that leaves you with uh, steep medical bills. You can pay off. Uh, you can't pay off is enough to send your score plummeting. And in New York, poor credit can interfere with your ability to secure housing. For example, as most landlords prefer scores of 700 or above, whereas an especially high score can mean an advantage over other renters vying for an apartment in a competitive market. The stakes are high when your credit score is lacking. Fortunately, there are steps you can take to encourage landlords to see past the numbers. And hand over the key. So why is it so important that when you're out there looking, and I've got three rental listings as we speak, and people come to me, you know, on a regular basis, and they just don't qualify. What is that about? Why is it so important? Yeah, I mean, credit, your credit is just an example of what your credit worthiness is. You know, are you paying your, you know, debts on time? Do you pay your cell phone bill? Do you pay your student loans? And if you don't, um, that'll come up in your credit report and score. And then that, that dem- that'll give you a demonstration or to the landlord, it demonstrates how worthy they are to, you know, work with them or allow them to rent in the apartment. If the credit's not good, then there's a higher risk, of course, that they, you know, could default. And, you know, the, we all know that the tenant and the landlord laws in the city strongly favor the tenants. So the landlords have to do everything that they can to have a, a trustworthy and credit worthy uh, person in place who's going to be renting. And good thing is that there's you know a lot of demand for New York City apartments, so they they can choose. But there are people out there who don't necessarily have the credit worthiness that are looking. And there's a lot of different steps. I think we're going to talk about that about what people can do uh, to kind of solve some of these problems if they don't one, have good credit. Yeah, and one of the things I always you know encourage people to do is please check your credit before you even start your search because most of the time. People, especially younger starting out, really don't pay attention to credit. They've done some wacky things as as young adults, college days, and maybe their credit score takes a hit, but they don't know it. So check it first because if you're working with the right agent, they can advocate for you that you can get you know some kind of you know way of figuring out how to get in. What are some of those ways, by the way? So paying up front or getting a roommate? What, what do you see more of? People paying a whole year up front or people sharing an apartment? Parents helping out. What's the deal here? Uh, I see a lot of people um, paying a year up front. I just, I just actually closed the rental on Friday, where they paid a year up front, and they expect a little bit of a discount, um, flexibility, and <clears throat> also to lower the requirements to get into the apartment, like we're talking about. So no, you know, credit score, things like that. No landlord letter. I'm finding also, so as, as long as we're speaking about the rentals, like I said, I have three rentals, and I think I rented two of them on Sunday at Open House. But anyway, one of them, um, we are still negotiating into the wee hours last night on email. You know, really everybody asking for everything. The old expression, asking for everything but the kitchen sink. It's amazing how they want the price to be dropped. They want concessions. This, these are condos. These are not rental buildings. 
And the argument back is, well, you know, I can go to a rental building and get, you know, a $500 application fee versus a $2,100 application fee, on and on and on, no broker fee. And I'm like, but you keep coming back to me, which says you like the building, you like the apartment, you want it. So because you do, you got to pony up. We, right? we just paid for an apartment to be upgraded into a smart apartment. So we agreed to that on this rental. Or this particular renter? Yeah, for the and, condo. And so the owner did that. The owners, yeah, the the renter is going to pay it, but the uh, and and upgrade it, but the landlord is actually going to reimburse them for making it into a smart apartment. Interesting. Yeah, it's, I it, think there's a lot of options too. I it's mean, a win-win personally to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's that. I think I think that kind of solves it. I, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, it only enhances the apartment. What about being strategic yeah. about timing, neighborhood, and building type? Does it matter what building, what neighborhood, and 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 what type of apartment when you're out there with a, a credit score that can be challenging? I think if there's like a lot of supply coming on the market, they're going to be more flexible. Um, you know, like Hell's Kitchen. I mean, a neighborhood you know very yeah. well. I mean, when you get flooded with a you know a building like Mercedes House or Via Fifty Seven, then you have hundreds of units on, and they're going to have to lower their you know the bar for them to approve a, a renter. Yeah, so and even Forty Second Street, those those new towers. Um, yeah, Sky, well, Sky, Sky. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how many units are in these buildings, and you know they're they're much cheaper than condos. So I think. You know, it it, it, it translates in, into so many different things, but I think investors aren't so, you know, quick to want to buy apartments these days in condominiums for the sake of renting them out because mm-hmm. they know that there's a big challenge. And in some buildings that I work in, the 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 cost of these application fees are really incredibly no, another, uh, another, uh, com- another competitive uh, part of the market now is Airbnb, and I'm seeing these huge landlords doing short-term furnished rentals. Uh, maybe not like Airbnb style, but just you know, thirty-day rentals, sixty-day rentals, stuff in like con- that. In condominium buildings? Uh, no, in big rental buildings. Oh, big rental building. Wow, interesting. Um, yeah. Of course, it says get your qualifications in writing, show multiple income sources, find the right broker, as I mentioned earlier, who will advocate for you because that is really very important. Um, what then becomes the projection for the rental market? You know, for the rest of the year. Here we are in January, the start of the first quarter. I think a much better year all around. But where, what what do you project the rental market to be going forward for first time renters and for people who just are priced out of the marketplace from from a sales perspective and and need to rent or continue to rent? What I think it's going to be another good year for renters. I mean, last year there was about thirteen thousand units that went online in terms of rentals in New York City. I believe it's going to be almost the same this year. Um, so that means that there's just a lot more supply. So like you're talking about, Vince, in your current uh, condo rental deal, people are saying, hey, look, I have other options. I, I can go over here and I can pay $1,000 security deposit at this rental building. You know, but That's exactly what I was told last night. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, I had the exact same situation with one of my condos recently, too. But you know, once you demonstrate the value of, look, look this is a condo. People live here. It's not a rental building. Right. It's a much different product. Full service, you know, just like some of these rental buildings are, but this particular condo is full service. And and by the way, then you get then you get into the discussion about the fees. Okay, if no one wants to pay a broker fee and no one wants to add or a that two thousand dollar application fee to an application I, fee that's two thousand dollars. I actually think you're going to see even more supply than that um, than last year. I think that you know, and I agree with Niall. Like the tenant's going to have all the power because at the end of the day, look at all the projects that are coming to the city. There's the TF Cornerstone projects across from Via Fifty Seven. There's Orion on the east side. There's you know down in the Lower East Side part of is Orion open? Um, opening. opening, it's like a process. Right. Um, but you have Essex Crossing in the Lower East Side, which is going to have tons of rentals. You have the you know Long Island City projects that Tishman Spire are doing. You have so many different 
Hudson Yards has a ton of rentals. Like people are going to have so many options, and landlords are going to have to be competitive. Yeah, I'm seeing. I have I have a few rentals in that are listed now, listed as no fee in Bedstuy, Clinton Hill area, and there's a ton of projects coming up there for rentals. But uh, I'm I'm kind of predicting that. Once we get to the one year one one year mark to the L train shutting down in Williamsburg, you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, artificial demand created in uh, these uh, kind of outlying neighborhoods from those Williamsburg, those former Williamsburg renters, the people, you know, maybe who can't negotiate their leases down in those neighborhoods, and they need to, you know, come to another cool part of, you know, Queens or Brooklyn. Tell me quickly before we have to go to break about the uh, rental potential in those outer areas of Brooklyn, you know, uh, Bed-Stuy, uh, Crown Heights. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, new development condos, you know, taking over the neighborhood, townhouses becoming a fortune, but how's the rental market there? Um, it, it's been soft for the last, you know, two months, but it's it's getting stronger. There's just a lot of no-fee rental buildings coming on the market. And uh, I have a unit right now. It's a two-bedroom with a 1,200-square-foot outdoor space. The outdoor space is almost, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah come, please. Available now? And it's available right now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. stuff like that's for $4,000 in those neighborhoods and no fee. I mean, it's a phenomenal deal. All right, wow. we have to take a break. We'll be back on the other side of that break. We are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We are back and we're talking to uh, Matt and to Sean and to Niall uh, and to Greg this morning. So there are many reasons a property owner in New York City decides to sell their apartment. What are the factors that we as brokers can easily, and and actually the consumer out there can easily 
identify a seller who's highly motivated to sell. Just because a seller is motivated to sell doesn't mean they'll accept any offer. They're still looking for the right offer, but uh, they may have all the time in the world to wait for it. That's not in our control, unfortunately. What is in our control is the ability to present and articulate strong offers. I mean, we've got lots of offers all the time, but we've got to articulate the right ones. So what are some of those indicators uh, that say to us as brokers and where buyers out there, consumers out there can sniff out the fact that, you know, this is a motivated seller and they probably want to sell quickly? First thing that we could recognize is just the price. Right, something is priced at or below a general market value for something. That's a pretty good indicator that they're motivated to sell. Another, or, or go ahead. Yeah, or I was gonna say, or another one is just if if you go into the apartment um, and there's no furniture in there, um, they're not, or or there is furniture. It's staged furniture, but you get the understanding that they're not living there. So if they're not living there, they're probably losing money on a monthly basis in terms of maintenance and common charges, et cetera. And another one, too, back on the prices, when you start seeing multiple and recent price drops, you know, you start at, mm-hmm. you know, at X and then all of a sudden you're down at Y and buyers come into my open houses and say, well, how long has this been on the market? And, well, you know, I saw it first at this price and now it's that price. What is the problem with this versus the seller's motivated? He wants to sell. Let's just figure out a plan or a strategy and get it sold, right? Or get it bought, whatever or, side you're looking at. Or sometimes you see listings switching brokers. So that's Absolutely. an indication that they're not happy with it or they're not doing a good job and they're really looking to get someone aggressively who can do the right thing for it. I don't sometimes, but sometimes doesn't that really mean that I'm switching brokers because broker A can't get the price that I want and I still think I really can get that price and then broker B comes on board and for some reason mm-hmm. the price gets reduced because yeah. that broker comes around and says, well, you know, after all, it's been out there for X amount of months at this price right. and so now we're at a lower price and I think we'll sell and what happens? The second broker usually sells. The and, having, and having been the second broker a lot, I actually find that it's not always a bad thing that people are switching brokers. Like oh, no. I, I, I sometimes think, you know, hey, it didn't sell, the listing expired, people just want new blood instead of, you know, staying with the same broker and, and going for another 180 days. Like, I've found myself in situations where I take over a listing and the other broker was a good friend of mine. Like, you know, no bad feelings. It happens to all of us. Um, but And all the time. Yeah, but I mean, you know, another good indicator, in my opinion, is is always just, it's not even the price drop. It's more like, I feel bad sometimes for sellers because sometimes, you know, their broker gives them bad information and so they start too high. And then because they had to drop either one or two or three times, people then think they're desperate. And I always feel like it's interesting situations when that happens and when the buyer kind of gets into it. If that makes sense. It, it makes a lot of sense. And, and we see it regularly, especially in markets like this. Another one I wanted to point out was frequent open houses. You know, a lot of sellers expect you to have open house after open house after open house. I always tell my sellers when I can get away with it, you know, we don't need to have open house every Sunday because that puts you out there looking very desperate to sell. Or something that went into contract and came back on. Like or if it was if it was a board turn down, well, that's, that's a, usually an indicator. Or a lot of accepted offers don't go to contract for whatever reason. Buyers get cold feet, they back out, and the deal doesn't happen. Concessions on offers, you know, you're listing at one price, uh, and whether it's a co-op or a condo, you know, maybe the seller has to pick up some of the expenses. You know, maybe they need to reduce the price. Maybe they're going to pay maintenance for a couple of months. You know, when you start seeing stuff like that, it usually is an indication that the seller has to go. And as Niall pointed out earlier, you walk in, you see an empty apartment or a staged apartment. They've already moved on. 
So they've already bought something. And so they probably need that cash mm-hmm. inflow. I always ask. I always straight. try to, I mean, even if it's a Can't broker hurt, or right? a buyer, I mean, I always try to find their motivation. Um, you know, we've had situations where someone's bought a co-op in the same building and right. <clears throat> they're getting pressure from the co-op board to get rid right. of their other unit. That uh, happened to me many oh, years really? ago. Yeah. So, I mean, like when you have a situation like that and from a negotiation perspective, you know, offering them a way out, a fast, a good buyer, but, you know. Because it's not always price. the price, right, Sean? Like when we're negotiating, it's not just like, oh, well, we want it at 500K. There's so many other factors. There's, there's time timing. Timing is everything. Contingency. There's so many different factors. And if really? you ask those pointed questions and you get the answers, you, you know how to effectively bridge uh, or negotiate a, a deal. I actually, I was just thinking throughout the years, some of the deals that I've negotiated the most on for buyers were um, apartments that were coming out of their tax payments. So I think that's also an indicator because someone whose taxes are going up and they're right at the end of the abatement, that owner obviously originally bought that apartment because the taxes were low and the monthlies were low. And as they're getting higher, they don't want to sit with it because it's straining their account. Like those taxes will get very high. Well, there's some people that just bought apartments um, <clears throat> 15, 20 years ago with those tax abatements. Like in 60 Broadway was a good example of this in Brooklyn. And once that abatement expired, a lot of those people were forced out of their apartments. They bought for $300,000 and that's really what they could yeah. afford per month. Yeah. Um, and then they got hit with a huge assessment. So then all of them started to sell. The last one I wanted to point out is the listing disappears only to reappear shortly after. That's a, that's a little bit of a trick in our town where you take it off for, I don't know, 30 days, two weeks sometimes, and put it back on, maybe at a new price, maybe not, but it comes back out to consumers who are out there looking at a particular price point. Maybe it's a brand new listing. They're not quite sure, certainly if they hadn't seen it before. So I'm starting to see also a lot of that happening. I think it does. I think the street easy rules, too, by the way, are like 90 days. It has to be off the market. For it to the day counter to reset. Yeah. Otherwise, I, what is it? Pause and then I think it's pause and then. It, well, but with the same broker. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. well let me ask you something because I'm <laughs> I'm actually doing that right now as we speak. Okay. And something's coming out February first, which is like 92 days after we took it down last fall because the, the fall was you know crazy. So my question to my management is: so it comes back out as a new listing, but does it erase all the history? We know how Street Easy has all this. No, so. it, doesn't. it doesn't erase anything. Mm-hmm. So how then is it new? Because you see, when it came off three months, because earlier, it has zero days, it resets the day. Well, it just, it comes day. at the top of your search results. Exactly. It, yeah, yeah, that's Most the problem recent. with the days on market is Got that it. even in a broker database like Got OLR, it. you're still really far down right, on so the. So I get some of that. I get some benefit, not certainly not all, right? Let's do it with your partner. It's like a brand new listing, you know. <laughs> exactly. All right. Historically, Yorkville, Upper East Side in Manhattan has been one of Manhattan's least expensive neighborhoods in part because of its distance from the Lexington Avenue subway line. Getting to the four, five and six train from Yorkville in years past always involved a long walk and the neighborhood's housing prices reflected that. That all changed one year ago with the opening of the long awaited Second Avenue subway in the past year since three new subway stops came to the Upper East Side or Yorkville. Uh, key real estate metrics in both the for sale and for rent market have risen an anomaly in a city where markets are generally cooling. Asking rents are now rising faster in Yorkville than most anywhere else in Manhattan. This can be attributed to the arrival, as I said before, of the subway, uh, I think was January 1st, last year, 17. So we see, we saw an immediate uptick in the rental prices in Yorkville. But what about the sale prices? Have we seen anything by way of increases? Now, I'm dealing with a building in Yorkville, I guess, well, almost Yorkville, 61st and 2nd, and our prices are pretty steep. And people are seeming to 
be okay with it because they have access to the train. Well, if you're right on well, more access, you right on second, right? So what's the closest? 63rd. Yeah, I mean you're I mean, it's you're a block right and a half yeah. away. Versus before, which was on Lexington, and, and you have to yeah, and so that's Correct. that's a huge that's a huge factor when it comes into pricing and what people are willing to pay because there's a convenience to that. I'm also seeing people from Chelsea who are being priced out of Chelsea. They want to upgrade from one beds to twos. Can't afford it in Chelsea or downtown. And they're coming to this neighborhood where I'm selling this new development and, and are okay with it. And, the re- and I ask all the time, and the reason they're doing so is because of this new train system. It's amazing. Well, not only that, but you also have to think about product, right? Yeah. And I think you know, oh. the new development that you're representing at the Claire is an unbelievable project. And if you're looking at how that building shows, and you know, we went to the penthouse for your unveiling recently, and it was it was amazing. I think Sean was there, yeah. um, but you could you could kind of see how that's not necessarily a a, a very specific like Upper East Side no. type product. So no. you could get so it's not because of the the better train systems. You know the Ubers of the world and the way that these share uh, apps allow people to kind of transport throughout the city. You know it allows people not to only focus on just Chelsea. They could then say, well, what's going on? In a similar product that I'm priced out of in Chelsea, what's going on the Upper East Side? Forget about it. The Claire in Chelsea. Where, I mean, what's that going for? Yeah, in Chelsea? yeah. If the Claire was in Chelsea, it'd be twice yeah, the price. Yeah. Almost twice the price, if not in some cases more than twelve. Well, the the eight million dollar penthouse that I have over there would probably be ten yeah. or yeah. more. Yeah, Easy. More than that. Yeah. But hold on. So, that. But the Claire's not Yorkville. The Claire is Lenox. No, Hill. I said it's almost Yorkville. Yeah. yeah. But 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 points mm, for as close to the examples as we can get, Maddie. No, no, I mean I think can't get anything past him, Vince. I mean I think. <laughs> I, I, I represented a lot of transactions um, on this building, in this building on 89th and 1st, um, 389 East 89th, which is a new development by Magnum, and um, it's a great project. And I think if you look at projects like that, you'll look at across the street, there's Citizen 360, which is a new development as well. If you look at new developments that are along the 2nd Avenue subway further up, I think it's less about just higher prices in terms of resales and more these developments have had more pricing amendments that I've seen in a while because well, of the second well, avenue subway. Uh, Citizen 360 had a $20 million, million penthouse combination sell. Yeah. And then you have the Charles on 72nd Street and 1st Avenue, which was selling for almost $3,000 a square foot in anticipation of the subway. Oh, right. Amazing. I mean, it's that's amazing. That's insane pricing for that, you know, for east of Lexington Avenue on the Upper East Side. It's, you know. There's a conversion at 262, I think, on 3rd Avenue. And they are also mm-hmm. were priced, they're sitting on top of the train, actually. But their prices per square foot are so much higher than mine are at the Claire. It's it's unbelievable, and we're getting a lot more business because you know <laughs> people you. still still want to pay the right price per square foot. I mean, it's it's obvious, I, uh, and that's a conversion compared I, to. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been hot on this train for years now. I mean, I shifted all my business from downtown and I think it's Upper wonderful. East Side, and now I just moved to you know Seventy Second and Second Avenue, and I get to the studio here in fifteen that's minutes. Flat. I used to live on Seventy Second and Second. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I fly. I take that Q train everywhere. It's amazing. I I love it. And where I where my real estate office is in Union Square, thirteenth and Broadway. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm there in ten ten minutes or less. Not to mention it's the nicest section of subway stops there are in the city. Completely. So if anyone wants to move into a new area, beautiful stops. It's the right place to go. Listen, I become a big you know advocate of the Upper East Side because the 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 train system did it for me. I left twenty years ago and moved west because I couldn't deal with the, the lack of trains. I was working downtown. It was always a nightmare. Three or four trains would go by before I can get on one in the morning. Uh, it's insane. 
And then when you got on one, you were like, you know, the whole yeah. stuff. Squeeze, uh, can't I mean, move. Absolutely uh. insane. So are we seeing an increase in actual buyership on the Upper East, Yorkville or Lenox Hill, whatever, or is it just people are starting to wake up? Rentals have picked up quickly. but I, I, think, I think the rentals lead the way. I mean, once those rental prices go, the yeah, condos agree. are going to be more valuable. That's how it goes. I, I, I agree with that. Um it's interesting to see where we go from there because I think well, but there's always talk that they want to extend the, the, the Second Avenue line on the south side and the north side. I don't know how quickly that's going to happen, but um, I think just because it's already there, where it is, the thought of it going north of 96th or south of, um, I guess, 59th Street uh, will make a difference. We'll see. But in any event, uh, I'm seeing an uptick in traffic. And again, I, I ask all the time, and it's oh, the answer I always get, it's totally 100% related to the trains. All right, we have to take a break. Leave it there. We'll be back after the break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. Uh, And so my question is, so you want to buy an apartment in New York City. So considering the median price of a Manhattan apartment is $980,000 these days, you would have to put down at least 20% or around $200,000 in down payment. Ouch. And when talking about first-time buyers, that's a big uh, amount of money. Now, keep in mind that to buy in a co-op, you usually need to have two years worth of monthly payments post-closing as well. Besides the average New York City co-op actually requires, some of them require 35, 40, or 50% down. So what's a regular New York City buyer to do if they don't have inheritance money, family support, or enough bank account savings through the years to do just that? How, how do these buyers do it? Save. Keep well, saving. Make an Etsy well, account. Liquidate. Yeah. Liquidate investments. Liquidate investments. Uh, well, but given the fact that some of them are younger first time, they don't have the investments to liquidate or they hadn't had time to save all this money. So lower your really budget. Becomes, <laughs> lower your budget. Lower wait, wait. Did you say two months post-closing? I said some co-ops require at least two months post-closing liquidity oh, okay. for, for monthly you know, mortgage and maintenance. Some are more. I find like I find most are a year to two years. Yeah, one or two. Yeah, yeah. two yeah, yeah. years. I think is generally what I, I say, see. Did I say? Uh, no, I said two years. Oh, okay, okay. Payment. Two yeah, years worth yeah, of monthly payments. But yeah. some You're confusing them, Manny. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. It's early. It's early in the morning. But anyway, some, some uh, co-ops are 20, some are 25%, some are 35 and 40%, and there are some that are 50, and one or two or three that are left 
that want all cash and no financing allowed. And we're talking Park Avenue, Mad- uh, Madison yeah, Avenue, maybe. Yeah, and we're just playing the co-op side. It, it happened to me, banks these days, when someone is younger, when the lender, the personal lending is younger, they make them put more down because it's more risky to have a young person those millennials. Lend. Those millennials. <sighs> we're the worst. So, you know, they made me put a lot down, a lot more than I was thinking. And so I was out a lot of cash. Um, <laughs> but let's be real. Like, if but they you can't can sell get. sell it for more money. I, I mean, You're... hey, you, you always hope so. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, if they, if they can't get a gift from someone, then they should definitely. I mean, these days you get loans. Um, you could get a loan, but the problem is that every co-op judges a loan in a different way. Let's talk about gift money because that's a good point. So when you're in a co-op and you're buying it, wanting to buy a co-op and your parents want to give you a gift or somebody wants to give you a gift of X amount of dollars in cash to help you out, whether down payment money or whatever, how complicated does that become? You would think if you're buying a house in the suburbs, somebody gave you 50000 100 whatever. No one cares. No one knows. But here in New York City, it's pulled apart. And ungift wrapped, right? In New York, co-ops all have different policies. You know, co-purchasing, gifting, subletting. They don't. Not all these things are always allowed in every building. And actually, I find that a lot of co-op buildings these days define each policy as case by case because it lowers the risk of a lawsuit. Um, so you really just have to be on top of what the policy is. But if a co-op allows gifting, um, you just have to make sure that whoever is gifting you the money, say it's $50,000, um, that it's in your bank account by the time you, you know, submit the board package. Um, I wish I got a gift when I bought That would have been awesome. Um, but, but I didn't. Oh, um, unfortunately, I, I, I find that a lot of my younger clients who do get gifts wind up paying the person back right after they close. So it's something but just to qualify. Don't co-ops a lot of the times ask the, the gift or the person who's giving the gift to write a letter saying yes. that they're not uh, expecting repayment? Right. I haven't found that actually. So I've, I've, I've done gift deals and I've had that. Oh, really? Yeah. All, 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 I'm not surprised. That all, makes sense. All of my gift deals in the past with co-ops have always had to have a letter saying that there's no requirement to pay this back anytime. There could be a side deal between right, exactly. the gifter and the giftee, right? Yeah, but the co-op is going to want to see that it's a true gift. Otherwise, if that person doesn't have enough cash and they got a gift and then they have to immediately pay it back. Well, now you're affecting the debt to income ratio and a yeah. whole bunch of other things that right. could be a problem really look at and pay attention else. to. Well, yeah. that's, you know, so there, there's always, that's why I said before, the, the complication with all of this gifting or borrowing money or whatever can be um, significant. But, you know, I going back to people coming even to look at some of the studios that that we put up in the condo buildings that I sell 600 something thousand dollars I think the last one I sold was 689 for a studio you still have to put up 20% of that that's a big number so that's your first purchase that's your first apartment my first studio and I'm going to date myself I paid $37,000 for and I pay I'll cash. I'll take two. And I pay <laughs> cash because I wasn't going to finance that, right? I mean <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, so, so, so much wait, my wait. car was. Like, I, I, I give you lots of credit. Well, <laughs> well, now my car is a lot more expensive. There than you me. go. See? You. But, but that's you know how things point. change. So, so it, for, by the time the millennials have the, the years to work here in the city and, and still, you know, pay good rents and, and still have, you know, pay for good living here, they're still trying to save to buy that first apartment. That 20% is a killer or more if it's a co-op. So I, I wonder, you know, how 
easy it becomes. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, co-op boards are really touchy about consistency with employment. So like if someone who's too young is purchasing, the co-op board might actually judge them if they haven't worked for at a certain job for a certain amount of years. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've, you know, with co-purchasing or gifting or guarantors, I've found that the board really judges how long and how much the child makes. And what the consistency of the salary is. Absolutely, 100%. And sometimes it will turn them down even though they have parental support because they feel the the child, and we use the word loosely here, doesn't have the wherewithal or the income you know, to support what they ultimately are looking for in these situations. What do we do as real estate agents when we have variable income? Good question, people. Uh, you can... You can um Put, you can put up a, like a down payment or a deposit that they hold an escrow for you and they'll pay you interest on, but it's basically to hedge against any you know missed maintenance payments. You know, it's, it's basically, I bought an apartment as a, as a real estate agent and it's basically, you know, they look at, you know, your years of, of income, you know, and kind of figure out, all right, so he's in the business X amount of years, he's done X amount of dollars per year, so he's probably not that much of a risk, but you're right. I mean, you could have a dry period and they know that because, you know, everybody's in, in real estate, you know, and then you don't get paid for three months for whatever reason. So, you know, it, 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 the, famous, the famous word in this business, it all depends, right? On the heels of that, when you can't really afford to buy something, there is perhaps no better way to save on rent in New York City than shacking up with a significant other. Okay, so, and though there's not a tremendous amount of hard data on how soon after meeting uh, New York couples decide to cohabitate, Right, A 2004 academic study found that more than half of the 25 New Yorkers interviewed for this, uh, uh, this um, story moved in with their partners within six months of starting to date. And of, that's terrible. And of those most cited convenience and finances as opposed to plans to marry as the reason for the move, in one extreme example, a Brooklyn toy designer is currently trying to kill two birds with one stone and find a roommate, live-in boyfriend via Craigslist so she can have an easier time. I wonder why it hasn't worked out yet. I mean, you, there's something like and that's a disaster way to Tinder have. might be a more you know appropriate way to go about that than Craigslist. Well, I mean, <laughs> disaster way to happen. Yeah, I think you're. I think if you're in that position, you look to move in with somebody, not to have that's yeah. on your. <laughs> well, but I think this is you know. Th- I think the point here is that they're they're trying mm-hmm. to find people to move in with, whether they just started dating and they kind of feel comfortable with that person, so they can share the rent, or you know your typical roommate situation, which makes a hell of a lot more sense to me. Um, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a, I mean, I'm not an expert in relationships uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, <laughs> if you're lo- looking to move in with somebody for financial reasons, I mean, I've seen it just, just go down. The and toilet. certainly, if you're only dating six months or less, and you make a decision to cohabitate, you know that is absolutely a recipe for disaster because it's probably not going to last. You're Agreed. still getting like you're still getting another person. I mean, uh, th- but this is also one of the reasons, like well, one of leave, the ways New York is so dating, crazy. Then leave the dating out of it and just find a roommate. Right? Sure, I mean, but but seriously, like this is one of the ways New York is so crazy. You talk about how New York is so different from the rest of our country. Like moving in with someone is a really big deal in most of the most parts of our country, and in New York, it's so expensive to live here that people have to almost rush their relationships just to be able to afford to be here. Driving up prices on studios and one bedrooms and the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was in a relationship for years, and you know, we never moved into in with each other because it's a big step, and we lived four blocks away from each other. It's very interesting that you say that people are rushing their relationships, you know, just to get into a, a living situation because it's probably financially more convenient but you know wow i'm 
could not say that I'm not guilty of it because I totally am. Uh, I met my wife and three months later we were living together, but two months later we were married. So I, I mean, it wasn't finances, but it was, I'm a statistic along those lines. However, it worked out for the better. Yeah, but you're been married for two years and it's been amazing. Exactly. But, you know, you, we you, looked at the finances and looked at everything and thought this is probably the best idea. And it was, and now it's scaling and it's becoming But you're better. the anomaly, okay? Because right, right. You are but the statistic do, that right. says, I found the perfect, you know, soulmate, roommate, partner right, right, right. that I want to be with. No, fingers crossed, I'm, I'm a that, that is rare. Yeah. That is, that, that's the point. It, right. it's, it's extremely rare. It does rare. happen. Yeah, but so when this, this cuckoo town of New York City that we all love and live and, and, and have wonderful, you know, stories about, people do these things. And I had a couple come to one of the rentals that I, I had open house on Sunday mm-hmm. who... They have been, I, I think they've been living together for a while and she doesn't like his apartment. And he said to me, kind of like, you know, looked at me very sadly. He said, well, you know, I have a very nice rent stabilized apartment, but she will have nothing to do with it because it's not hers. And she wants to start our new life together in a new place. So the, uh, did you tell him to repaint? I would have been, I would have been a happy wife, happy life. I'm what? No, I, I was very happy broker because they want to rent my. Well, apartment, I'm right? sure. So, talk to me. I have the exact same situation. It's rent stabilized, but my wife is more than happy to keep staying because she knows it's a great deal. Right. Well, there you go. You right. are really lucky. It's yeah, really you're lucky. lucky. Yeah. The way around. I know. Yeah. But the, but that's the point. So she says, "I'm starting a new life with you. I want to move somewhere else. It, it's in the same neighborhood. They live in the same neighborhood, so they're not, you know, ditching the neighborhood. They like Hell's Kitchen. They want to be there, but they just want a new new you know space, a new box of air. And I can and only understand it if there was like another significant other in the apartment living there prior to. This new person, so yeah, that makes yeah. a little bit. That, that, that's uh, I can understand the fresh start then. Well, I wasn't going to get into that, so maybe there was somebody. But to, before, yeah, I don't know. You but know. to your term that you like, it all depends it in, all in depends. our in our industry. Yeah. Um, like my whole family are New Yorkers. Like we're just so we do everything the New York way. And so my cousin, my cousin just got engaged, and when her and her fiance um, started dating like three or four years ago, very fast did they move in together, and they moved into a studio together. Like I, a small studio. I and I remember saying, I have enough trouble living in a studio alone. I don't know how you do it, the two of you, but they actually said, as New Yorkers, we actually find that this is a good test of our relationship, moving in with each other so soon and sharing the finances. And I was like, it, it all depends. Like, there you go. <laughs> there are sometimes you just don't need FaceTime. And in the studio, unless you're hiding behind the curtains, ain't going to happen. I can't see two people in a studio, no matter what. No matter where, not gonna happen, right? Just not gonna work. We need Dr. Drew to call in for this episode, right? Well, listen, Dr. Drew would be great, <laughs> but he's but, but he's right though. No, because, he's right. But I yeah. mean, I, I've seen this in, in yeah. many places. The building I work in all the time on the in the West Side, we have. Couple, but imagine couple. how crazy people think we are listening to this in like California or you know oh, Ohio yeah. or something. Yeah. They're like, "What well, is first wrong? Of all, never per, going there." Well, first of all, anybody really outside of this town doesn't even understand how anybody lives in one room. Well, what is a studio? And for six hundred eighty-five thousand dollars, one room. I'm into living in New York is real. It's real. Yes, it's it's, but, it's very real. But I am a champion. You know, I'm a champion for my buyers because I am currently renting. I have an amazing rent, but. I'm looking forward to making that. St- I don't want to go to a, high, a higher price rental in the next few years because that's just taking money out of my pocket. It takes so money. I am the biggest champion for buyers. I think it's great to be constantly putting money into basically an adult piggy bank. Right. All right. We got to leave it there. One more segment to go. We are live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City on a very rainy day. This is Good Morning New York. We will be right back. Don't go away. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We are back, and we are here with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Sean McPeak from Compass, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Greg Morris from Compass, and Noah Kaplan has joined us from Nest Seekers International, and it is a bro show. So our last segment, I want to talk a little bit about... um, Overall, the New York real estate market is being influenced by three major trends, higher prices, lower rent prices, and less purchasing uh, and development. So how do we explain that? So let's take the first one. So higher prices. We are being influenced in this marketplace by higher prices. How? Well, I think when you have low interest rates, when they stay that way, it creates the ability for these assets to inflate in terms of pricing. So I think that's that's a major indicator that uh, prices are going to be a little bit higher because rates are still very low. I mean, we're seeing upticks from the Fed, but you know, still we've talked about it countless times on this this show that you know these are historically low rates, and you know, p- buyers now more than ever, um, you know, are, I think are coming back out of the woodworks ready to go. It says we've had increases over the last couple of years of twenty seven point nine percent in prices overall on the sales side. So, you know, you're right. I mean, but I also wonder with um, increases in uh, interest rates, if that doesn't affect the, the the purchase prices in a negative way. In other words, we would lower the prices because 
the interest rates are going up. Does that have any effect at all? Uh, I don't think in, in our price ranges it does. I think if you're talking about a two hundred or three hundred thousand dollar purchase, that it's definitely going to have a lot of downward pressure on you. But I mean, what's like five hundred bucks to New Yorker these days? So uh, you know, it's gonna if it's gonna be half a point, I don't think it's gonna drive <clears throat> down prices right. by a significant. Goes up to seven percent. Yeah, I think it's gonna have an effect. I and the factors that you're talking about are very general factors from year to year. I think that this year, the one of the bigger factors that we're dealing with and that's not being spoken about, honestly, is this thing called salt, which is state and local. <clears throat> excuse me, woo, which is state and local taxes. Absolutely. Um, that I think is a huge driving factor right now in the market, much more than the tax bill. Um, I think that when the tax bill was not completely finalized, it was a hindrance in what we were doing because it was everyone was unsure and people don't like uncertainty. But now that it's set in stone, how they've how they're basically doing it People are realizing that it's much. It's a much smaller um, decrease in their deductions at the end of the year than they thought it would be. So that's not even hurting as much. It's more this salt thing, which is has to do with people's income tax. And in a place like New York, it hurts people the most because the whole point of state and local taxes are that most of the country makes a certain amount of income. And in New York, it's much more inflated. And so the cat they're capping it on ten percent or well not ten percent but ten thousand dollars and in New York the way you have to think about it is most people have income tax of ten thousand dollars because most people make more than a hundred thousand dollars in New York City but in the rest of the country that's not true so I actually find that that is going to be a huge factor in the market in purchasing in much more than interest rates or anything else this year what about lower rent prices? We talked a little bit about that at the top of the show. Strategic, strangely enough, rent prices aren't directly mirroring the increased prices of real estate. Rent is slowly declining with the median rent in Manhattan falling from $3,300 last year to $3,350. I'm sorry, $3,380 last year to $3,350 this year. Not a big jump down, but falling. So how are we being influenced overall in the marketplace by reduced prices on the rental side. I think it's just it's it's making I mean like we spoke about earlier I think the uh, the concessions are in vogue right now especially you know coupled with the time of year it's been an especially rough rental market these past couple months mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's going to come back I think we'll have a strong 2018 um, but I, I don't I don't see them affecting condo prices quite as severely not yet but um let me, let me ask you guys something, because so we say that the rental market is down, we say that the prices have dropped, and we say that for the past, I don't know, six, eight, nine months, you know, there really has not been a lot of renters out there actually doing deals. So my question is, where are these people going, and, and what are they doing? They have to live somewhere, right? What are they doing? I think I think there's landlords that are just giving people extensions and giving to stay where they currently are. Yeah, I think that's what's going on. I mean, there's no motivation. My building out in Brooklyn, and you know, I think I think we have two or three apartments that are coming up next month, and half of them are asking for two, three month extensions. Yeah, you know, something that's more and more common that that I'm starting to see personally. So I mean, so I didn't really see that have, before. Lease was up. Lease is up. So know? it's thinking power. I mean, people want to sit back and kind of wait or or see what's going to happen, and they're thinking about this or thinking about that. Maybe you know, if the rental market is such, maybe it's the right time for me to jump into the sales market. But again, as we talked about a little earlier, maybe I don't have enough down payment money to do that. I don't have enough resources to go and get a, a loan from or or a gift from. 
I mean, landlords are seeing the the vacancies. The landlords are are incentivized to extend them or to negotiate down. I I rewrote two leases last year at lower rates um, for right. two two condos, two two rentals over I'm ten thousand dollars. I'm doing that right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Much you know more. what? You're going to be have a vacancy for three months versus giving this guy a thousand or two thousand dollars off a month, which doesn't even count for a full month of rent. Right. All year long, so might as well just give them the concession, make yeah. them feel good, and stay. They don't have to move. Win win. Doing doing a deal like that right now, where landlord is, you know, has a big portfolio, but isn't isn't huge, and you know they are susceptible, and it's in Williamsburg, so he's he's aware of the inevitable shutdown. So it's going to be a big problem for him in six months to a year when people start to get nervous about what's going to happen. So he says, you know what, reduce the rent. Let's keep you in. Let's keep him happy. Just quickly before we leave the rental conversation, what what is happening in Williamsburg? Because, I mean, that's a hot market. It has been for many years. A lot of millennials, a lot of people just starting out, can't afford Manhattan, went and created this magnificent place called Williamsburg. So where are we with those rents these days? I mean, and and, and, and to complicate matters even more, potentially, the L train shut down soon. What does that do for people who want to still be there? Yeah, the L train shutdown is going to definitely have an impact. I think the people who have made that their home are are going to stay. There's definitely a lot of alternative routes to get there. Um, the city's figuring that out pretty quickly. Um, it, you know, increased train service on other train lines. Um, and, but again, you know, landlords are looking at the potential. You know, uh, you know, move out of a lot of people, and they're 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 getting softer with what they're going to do, uh, and they're ex- extending leases a lot easier than they were before. You know, I know Niall's got a lot of experience at this as well. Yeah, and I think too, you know, normally, you know, when I see a, a lease renewal in, in, in Brooklyn or one of the buildings that I represent, you know, there's a 3%, 4% increase that I'll normally see. Um, in the last, I'd say, six months on the increases, especially considering the time of year being, in, you know, kind of the winter months, you know, there's $25, $20 or zero increase at all, which from my experience, I've been doing this for 10 years on the rental side. I've never really seen that. You know, you don't see 0% increases in New York City. You know, so that's something that I've noticed and is a little bit different, but I don't think it necessarily means, you know, we're we're in for like a doomsday here. I think at the end of the day, the market is, you know, it's all adjusting and balancing. And, you know, I think... I agree. I think think it balances the right word. I look at it in the long view and, you know, I get worried when there's bidding wars in every single apartment and the... You know, things overheated. And it's not like a never good healthy. Sign. That's never healthy. And, and I think we kind of plateaued, and you know, some of the some of the markets. I mean, it, it like you said before, it all depends, right? I mean, we're we're breaking down the city into micro markets, and every micro market is a lot different. And Williamsburg right now <clears throat> is going to be the most interesting one to watch over the next eighteen months because it's, it has the biggest challenge. Yeah, I I, I totally. Agree. But I think when you when it comes down to challenges, that's also where opportunity a lot lies Mm -hmm. and if you look at it on the on the rental or sales side you know if you have a job that potentially is in williamsburg and you opt to live there um, i think there's great potential because you you don't have to deal with the whole commuting thing i think the city's going to do a great job and make sure that the subway lines and the ferries are all going to work but when you have people saying oh my god it's 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 going to be challenging that's when you start looking at the sales prices and you start working you know five different uh sellers down and seeing you know where you can actually get a deal because chances are we talked about reasons or motivations for sellers for moving is they might want to be selling because they don't want to deal with the L train. So if you can capitalize on that and deal with it for six months or whatever, 
you know, there could be great upside down the line. Yeah, or they can't afford to keep their apartments because their renters are leaving, renegotiating their lease. I mean, right, there's a lot right. of owners who have roommates who pay their mortgage and their common charges and taxes for them. So what comes next? It's hard to say where New York, the New York market will go from here. It's unlikely that there will be a surge in development and inventory will likely remain low. Accordingly, it's possible for prices to increase even further. In fact, some experts have uh, have an opinion that the housing market in New York City is still undervalued. Still, the imbalance between purchase and renting prices and the stagnation of the market can't last forever. It's likely we'll see a shakeup of the next few years, if not sooner. Unfortunately, we are out of time. That is it for today. Thanks to my guests and my panel, as always. Until next time, be kind to one another. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, Thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 